Hello everyone, my name is Norez Rana and I'm an economist with the World Bank. I'll be hosting today's program on a new wave where we will be talking about a very crucial issue that usually is not spoken of on mainstream media. We understand that Pakistan is going through a poly crisis, rather it is going through multiple different crises which are uh, 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 gigantic in its own nature. There's an economic crisis, there's an energy crisis, there's political and social chaos at the moment. But beneath all that, or actually in parallel to all that, the country is facing a huge crisis relevant to water security. And uh, in essence, I personally feel that water issue and water crisis itself is a much bigger problem than debt, that inflation or anything else. Because water is the crux of livelihood. It runs the country, it runs the person, the individual. And uh, there's a lot which needs to be planned and which needs to be addressed with uh, respect to the problems that Pakistan is facing in this particular domain. And to speak on this issue, I have a very special guest. Uh, with me, I have Ms. Leila Kasuri, who is a water and sustainable development specialist. She has had years of experience behind her working in the field. She has focused on climate smart irrigation, on flood resilience and much more. Uh, and I would also like to mention that in consideration of, of her efforts uh, on this particular topic and this area of focus, she was acknowledged by Forbes as 30 under 30. So I'm very pleased to have you here today, Leila, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Norez. Um, the pleasure is all mine. Um, so I think... Uh, Water is not just in Pakistan, but pretty much the world over. It's a hot topic these days, especially with um, climate change at the forefront. Um, but in the case of Pakistan, um, I want to put it on record that Pakistan is not water scarce, which is in stark contrast to what we all hear. We, we constantly hear there isn't enough water in the country. Water scarcity is often defined as when your water demands um, exceed your water supply. But in the case of Pakistan, that is not the case. We get around 229 billion cubic meters um, uh, per year. So just to put it in context, only 16 other countries have more water than us. So we are actually, we usually don't top the charts in anything, but when it comes to how much water we get each year, um, we are pretty much at the top. And not so, all of it comes, yeah. Sorry, so sorry, I don't want to break you or kind of intervene. But so what does that mean when we hear about the reports coming out from the UNDP and also from Pakistan's National Institute of Health, which claim that Pakistan is the fourth most water scarce country in the world, it became water stressed in 2000, and now by 2030, it is facing absolute water scarcity. So, what, so what does that, uh, you know, confound? So, there are two kinds of water scarcities. One is actual and absolute water scarcity. One is um, economic water scarcity. Um, and these, even though these reports do state that Pakistan is water scarce, a lot of the data they have is from years before. And most of these reports do not count the actual runoff that we get. So in Pakistan, we get water supply through different sources. We get it from the Indus River Basin. We get it from the Kharan Basin, Makran Basin. And then we also get rainfall. Often rainfall and snow melt is not included in the calculation. So the very 
most recent report that was done, which is also reflected in the new World Bank report, um, getting more from water. Um, they actually did a big, bigger, they contracted out some work to look at how much water does Pakistan even get? Because that is a very important uh, question that we have. And the reason it's important is it's very easy for governments to say, we don't get enough water, so we can't do anything. But I'm saying Pakistan can do something because they get enough water. So the issues of scarcity are created due to governance challenges and not due to nature. Nature has actually endowed us with a large supply of water. Now, here's where the problem comes in. Um, water stress is defined as how much water we get um, per capita, right? So if we look at the population, we have a very large population, around 230 million, right? And our water supply is the same. We have our per capita water is indeed quite low, but it's not as low as one would expect and not as low as um, there, there are many countries that have uh, the same or less per capita water than Pakistan, and most of them actually have higher GDP. Mm -hmm. Stands at a water resource per capita, we should still be doing much better economically. Water is should not be a current constraint for economic growth, nor for human development. So, even the issues that we see of water scarcity, they're quite they're issues of management and productivity, and they're issues where we haven't harnessed water better for better living. Now, even within this space of water, there are multiple issues, right? Water for agriculture, water for industries, and water for drinking, right? And then there's water for environment. And the last is water management in terms of floods. We have multiple areas of water that have problems and each have different causes. So, so actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 thank you for bringing that up because I was going to say that there are multiple layers associated with this issue. Because this is when we talk about the water that is available per capita, but then it becomes the question that automatically begs is that how much of it is accessible, is drinkable, that can be consumed by individuals and then you know, how much of that water is being consumed by the agricultural sector because there are reports which identify that majority up to more than actually more than 80 percent of the water that Pakistan has available to itself is being con is being consumed for agricultural activities. Yeah. So um, I think I think you've also said it quite correctly. One of the biggest problems is that even if you have water per capita, not a lot of it is actually being consumed or accessible to people. A large proportion of water is being uh, allocated for agriculture. Now, there are basically four crops uh, that use around 80% of um, Pakistan's water. There's cotton, sugarcane, wheat, and rice. Um, and they're, they're important crops for the country, but they only contribute 5% of the GDP, right? So they're not, uh, and they're using 80% of the, of the water. water yeah. there is. So there's, there's a yeah. huge imbalance over there. So yeah, yeah. there's a huge imbalance. Um, so of, of these four crops, you have cotton and you have sugar cream, which are export crops. Um, so 
they they actually generate quite a bit of value. Um, wheat and rice, however, the productivity is quite low. Um, mm. And we, we'll, we'll come to the agricultural issues a bit later, um, but their productivity is quite low. So okay. the question more is, we have quite a bit of water, but we're using all of it, um, pretty much all of it for uh, these four crops that are not generating enough returns, which leaves very little water for other uses, which are critical. And of those, the most critical is having clean drinking water. Um, okay. Now, the drinking water issue is a big one. Um, it's one that most reports ignore. Um, and and they're critical because each year there are a lot there are many deaths that are due to waterborne diseases. So one of the biggest ignored things that that often don't come in the news and it's not you it's not an imperative for the country is that access to drinking water is a big problem. It's going to get bigger as the population grows especially in the big urban areas where um the water quality standards are um they they i mean the current tap water we, we can't even drink and we Absolutely. we definitely don't meet our standards so that's a huge issue we have uh, and i would say it's probably more than the general water resource management, the issue of water and sanitation is now much bigger because given our current current urban growth, we definitely need to reallocate water. And there aren't, um, there aren't very good mechanisms to currently reallocate agricultural water to different users. So the way water is allocated is we have an accord that is used, um, it was signed in 1991, that says how water needs to be allocated across provinces. Um, but that accord, primarily the water that is allocated is for agriculture. So very little, there are very little allocations that are for industry and for drinking. In fact, they don't even factor in most of the calculations. Um, so, actually, so actually yeah, you actually very correctly, rightly pointed this out and identified because when we look at economic development and we look at the level of water that is accessible, there's a disparity between provinces. Uh, I was just reading up very recently that Punjab gets almost 60% of Pakistan's total water, then KPK gets around 20-ish percent, Sin gets about 10, and then Balochistan is left with less than 3 or 4%. And uh, if we mirror that to the level of development in some way, uh, we see that same disparity across provinces. And uh, possibly because Punjab is more agrarian in nature, it tends to consume or take away the maximum amount of water that is available. But if we limit, let's for one, limit it to uh, the urban centers. And like you said, and I wanted to kind of zoom in a little more on that. Um, let's say Lahore, we both are from Lahore. We've, you know, we've to some extent grown up there. But now tap water is, you cannot no longer consume tap water in Lahore. Uh, there's high levels of arsenic. Uh, the groundwater resource storages are depleting. Uh, what, why, why is that happening? Is that because there is not enough water for Lahore? Like from Lahore, when I say Lahore, I mean the urban center. Or uh, is that due to gross mismanagement? And what kind of mismanagement? And what can be done? Like, how can we address this issue? If we have to reverse it, what immediately needs to be done? 
So um, pollution is a very big issue um, in, when it comes to Lahore. Um, so in Lahore, the issue is not that you don't get the water. If you open the tap, you will get water. So it's not an issue of the quantity. It's a major issue of quality. And the quality is uh, pretty much due to um, existing pollution. Um, and with the groundwater, it's a different thing. So people already know that they can't drink from the tap water. So they all dig their own tube wells in their homes. Um, there is no current monitoring of how many tube wells there are that are being used for domestic uses. So there is no measurement or data on that. Most of that is then used and what ends up happening is if you have multiple people that are tapping into the same aquifer, the water level slowly lowers. There's a point where it lowers so much that it permanently goes down and then you won't get water from that layer at all. So that's when you exceed the sustainable yield. So then you have to go even further down. And that's been happening not just in um, Lahore, it's been happening in a number of cities. Um, in Karachi, the bigger issue then is when you have the, when you have the water table going down, you also have the um, ocean water that can intrude into that water table. So then you have salt water intrusion, which increases the salinity of that water table. So that makes that water pretty much undrinkable. So in the coastal areas, the issue is even more problematic, but Karachi is a big city with huge, um, huge water demands. So that's probably a bigger issue. In Lahore, the pollution is the big issue. And pollution isn't the mandate of the, uh, the water institutions. And that's the other problem. You see, water quality now falls with the environment departments. So whereas water is totally dealt, like the irrigation departments will deal with irrigation water, the Vasas will deal with water supply, but then the Department of Environment deals with water quality. So there isn't really any um, single department that will look mm -hmm. into drinking water and quality together, not in a cohesive way. And then the other problem is even though these mandates are within at the local level and after the 18th Amendment, we've had so much decentralization, there isn't really a lot of capacity um, at the provincial level. So a lot of water management has historically been federally managed. And then after the 18th Amendment, um, even though a lot of the responsibility is at the provincial level, um, water is kind of problematic because it's you know it's it's split across provinces and the there's an accord that deals with it so it needs some kind of federal oversight and then it also needs that kind of investment levels which i don't think the provincial governments can meet um, and if they can meet we see it often in punjab which is a wealthier province, but we, we can't expect that same level of investment in Balochistan, Sin, or KP. So, so this is an excellent point here because actually this makes absolute sense because due to institutional fragmentation and there's no clear distinct role assigned, there's, there's overlaps in certain areas and then some things are not within the scope at all. Water, the, the availability of clean water just gets completely ignored. 
to the point that people now do not have in lots large parts of urban centers across Pakistan, people absolutely do not have uh, access to to drinking water. And and I think one of the big things is when people talk about water, um, they usually think of dams or they think about floods or they'll think about irrigation, but they won't think about drinking water because it really is not an economic priority. Um, it's not what is, um, there aren't a lot of loans that are focused on that. I think Karachi, there is some work that is happening, but if you look um, nationwide, um, there are drinking water and sewerage systems and sanitation systems. Those are not really a priority. Mm-hmm. So, and we also don't have a lot of, um, we don't have a lot of proficient uh, people who work on water and sanitation in the country. I think a lot of our civil engineers that have been traditionally trained in Pakistan, they're more focused on irrigation uh, and water management, more at the you know at a large scale level and water resources management, which is very different kind of. It's a very different kind of management that you need um, as compared to um what drinking water right and and our our drinking water networks are dilapidated they're outdated and they're also not really made for um dealing with um climate change so a lot of our you know when when we design drinking water systems often the same people who do drinking water tend to also do sewage systems same kind of engineers um, and in, in most of the urban cities, there's no proper drainage and there's no mm. proper wastewater management. Pakistan, um, maybe less than 5 or 6% of the wastewater even gets treated, which is very, very low. Like if you look at our, you know, the, the SDG 6, the indicators and how much progress we have met, we are very, very far behind when it comes to drinking water and sanitation. So... That's And that's an issue nobody talks about, and I'm talking about it because I would say it's one of those biggest issues that hasn't been terribly politicized and we can still do something about it. But anything else we've done, I think it's a huge, it's very difficult dealing with some of these governance challenges. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the, the lack of mistrust among provinces um, and you know the general the different the different priorities that each of the province has um the irrigation network that we have it goes through the entire country it's one of the it, it is actually the largest irrigation network that we have in the world and you know it's worth billions of dollars um and that's why we've always prioritized it but it needs a lot of repair and maintenance. You know, a single investment doesn't do anything unless you're not regularly maintaining it. Um, so, so uh, think- yeah, perfect. No, 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 absolutely. Uh, I, I wanted, want you to talk a lot about the irrigation aspect and how we can improve that. But before we get, go there, I just want to wrap all that you've mentioned about uh, the issues that urban centers tend to deal so I'm assuming that if there's a will, there is a way to fix it. These issues are not unsolvable as such, but uh, you know, with the right amount of techniques, weight, uh, uh, wastewater management, recycling wastewater, uh, uh, things can be improved for dwellers of urban centers. But what actually really bogs me and what disturbs me is the fact that 
And it is actually very parochial and lack of hindsight that a lot of our policymakers do not view clean drinking water as an economic imperative because it founds the very core, the fundamental of human development. It puts a lot of stress stress on our, you know, uh, on our health infrastructure because of the diseases, the waterborne disease that people tend to are exposed to. And then obviously it has an economic impact as well, because as long as you're your human capital is not developing the way it should be in the midterm to long term. It is going to directly impede and adversely impact your economic growth. So and, and I'm, I'm, yeah. I want to yeah, just add one recommendation on that is that I also think anything that we do on drinking water, we just focus on Karachi. All the loans in the past have focused on Karachi or maybe Lahore. But I think it's very important. Karachi is a city which is, at this stage, very complicated, difficult to solve the issue given the water mafia. That's a big mess on its own, and it's political. But I think all of the other cities that there are, urban centers in Sindh, in Punjab, that aren't too large, but they will, they will be the Karachis of the future. I think those are the things we need to start investing in now. Um, those are the things we aren't paying attention to, but I think the money that we're going to spend in these big urban centers, which are so difficult to solve, they are, would be better spent in some of the smaller urban centers that really okay. need that drinking water. And I think, you know, the investment would go much further. Um, what would be like, like at the top of your head, what would be two, three or four, some of the bigger interventions that need to be done? So I'm now just focusing it to the urban issue. Like what, what can be done? How can we address the, address this problem? Or what, in your experience, is being done in the other parts of the world? Well, one of the... Karachi is a much larger city, but I do want to give the example of a city called Phnom Penh. It's the capital of Cambodia. And it had a drinking problem similar to Karachi in that um, there was a water mafia. So water had to be bought by these tankers at very high amounts. So there was then an issue of inequity, right? And there was one man who came, he was the mayor of Phnom Penh. Um, he got a lot of awards and he's well known. He basically changed the entire system. There were death threats against him. He went against everyone and he did set up a clean drinking water system there. So basically you need a water treatment plant. So a huge water treatment plant to bring in and have distributed networks to all the households. Um, and it was done. Now, I think those are very rare stories. I don't think that that's the norm. Like it's very hard to have someone deal with death mm -hmm. threats. And I think mm -hmm. Karachi, given the population, is a very difficult city. I'm giving the example of Phnom Penh because the water mafia and the politics did mirror Karachi. The only exception is that now Karachi is much, much larger, has a much higher population and even more challenges than Phnom Penh. So I would really recommend for the urban that in Karachi, we focus more on wastewater and we focus on managing the saltwater intrusion issues at the urban level. But for the other cities, we can still work on uh, water treatment and um, in, especially in Lahore and many of the cities in Punjab, I think that they are growing 
having water treatment facilities there um, and having distributed networks um, with proper tariffs. Now, I think that's the important thing is that in order for every system to work, you do need some tariff systems. And so developing um, good tariff systems in some of these slightly smaller cities, not huge cities like Lahore, um, and having treatment systems is something that can be done. Because, you know, the reality with this with Pakistan is governance in all public sector delivery services. It's not just mm. water, it's electricity and all. But you, if you have such a big problem, you have to break it down into small parts. And I, honestly, I think with water and sanitation, it's a big problem. You look at some of the smaller cities and try to tackle their issues and figure out treatment and distribution there. So that's my advice. For Lahore, I would say you can't do main city. Look at the peri urban parts of Lahore so that the population doesn't need to crowd into the city, but can have clean drinking water outside of the city and can have happier, healthier lives there. And then within the urban space, I will also add that sanitation is and sanitation and wastewater should also be a priority. They aren't and they've never been, but they should be only because we've had outbreaks of we've had we're like the only country that regularly has outbreaks of dengue, right? And yeah. Like everyone I know, anyone I know has dengue once a month. And so um, if we need to figure that out and if we really need to reduce the burden on our healthcare system, figuring out water and sanitation is really important. And that that isn't too difficult. That again, I would focus on smaller cities, have a wastewater treatment facility, reduce the pollution. Because issue with Lahore and Karachi and especially Karachi is it's it's very difficult to really change it with much investment it's a political issue and with Lahore I think investments will help but even then Lahore is a big city but you know those two cities are not the only cities in all of Pakistan yeah. we have so many other places that we don't focus on the big loans don't get there so I think investments in those places should be a big priority on drinking water treatment, drinking water treatment, drinking water distribution, wastewater treatment, and on-site sanitation. So um, what I'm perceiving out of all this is that the situation is threatening, but it may not be as threatening if the right, right measures are employed. So it's not that we will run out of water we might still have water but we will we won't be able to consume it so in order to make it consumable we need to get a house in order so i, I think that's a relief i will take that as a win and a hopeful win i hope uh, those at the helm of affairs can you know take the right approach in addressing this issue so now focusing coming back to agriculture irrigation irrigation practices and we've already spoken some of it, uh, you know, before we went delve into the urban issues. Pakistan's uh, water consumption for agriculture it stands at thirty-seven meter, uh, uh, yeah, thirty-seven per cubic meter, which is the lowest decile in the world. Which implies that you know we the amount of water that we are consuming for agricultural uh, yield um, barely produces what it what it should or what it is producing in other parts of the world. And then we talk about our irrigation practices, our, uh, you know, our crop yield in terms of water uh, input is again, one of the lowest in the world and has an efficiency of 39%. How 
is that like is that fixable a and how can we really fix that do we need to infuse technology smart climate uh, investment what are the ways to tackle that so uh, i have a very uh, tough approach on this i um, so with with agriculture and i'm not someone who is an expert on crops but with agriculture, there's product low productivity on two levels. There's low productivity in terms of the area that's used, the acreage, right? So you're not getting a lot of um, yield per arable land. And then two, you're not getting a lot from the water that's used, right? And um, the inputs, the inputs have been maxed out, which means we're giving it enough land, we're giving it enough water, we're giving it enough fertilizer. So on the input level, there's not much more we can do. Um, perhaps we may be doing too much input and we're currently not using anything, um, any technology. So we're definitely, and the yield is not, um, it's not uniformly low. So there are parts of sin that have really high productivity in rice yields. Um, so, so that's another thing is like, we need to figure out where productivity pockets are high and trying to replicate those so the, the it's not uniform from my understanding um the more water we get the less productive we are um and that's uh that's almost human nature if you have more you're not if you have a lot of money you're not going to spend it wisely you don't need to and so we do when the water comes it goes through KP, KP gets a large share, Punjab gets a large share, and Sin gets low share, and it's very, you know, the index is fizzling out. And so Sin, you have slightly more productivity in terms of water, because you're getting good yield with le using less water. In Punjab, that's not happening. And in KPK, you deal more with water logging, because there's too much water. So I think at some point we would need to reallocate the amount of water that's going into agriculture. And I genuinely believe that the minute you reallocate water and say, okay, we are not going to have 80% of the water go into a, this irrigation system. And the way this is controlled is through the reservoirs, right? Um, so if you say this is not going to happen, we're going to reallocate this water and instead spend it, send it for urban uses or for industry uses, um, then I definitely think that farmers will become more innovative in using that water. Um, most of it is technology. It just boils down to technology. Um, we don't we don't have a lot of um, good tools that we're using. So it's at, at the farm level, our productivity is low. We're not using good um, equipment. We're not using good seeds. Um, and those problems vary at all levels, yeah. you know. Um, and I think education would play a bigger role there. But I think, it, you know, in most of these places, the general belief is that you keep putting more water and crops grow mm. and they do grow, but the yield is so low. So I think there's not ever been a big incentive to improve that productivity. We haven't really done any reforms to um, incentivize productivity. So the solution is simple. Um, and it, you know, we can, we could do one of the things we could do, which would be, I think, easier is we try, we have like some government-led program where we're creating some kind of incentives for productivity. 
and water productivity. So the way, you know, with, with solar energy, you can, you have smart yeah. metering and you can, you know, can sell it back uh, to the grid. There needs to be something similar mm -hmm. in the water where we can say, okay, you didn't use your share of water and then you, you get incentivized. So A, farmers will either increase their productivity by growing higher value crops or B, they will really make better use of the water they have to grow the same kind of crops. So we don't have those kind of measures yet. Um, so mm. this is going to be system-wide, right? Overall productivity is low because 80% of all of that water mm. is going to go into this land, but um, there's no incentive for them to be productive. Uh, absolutely. Like you said, I mean, 80% of the water is being consumed while the contribution to GDP is almost just 5% or so of, of those said crops. So on that note, I, I'm just thinking out loud over here. And, you know, this actually may be a disruptive or maybe a controversial take. Uh, but uh, again, I'm, should we reevaluate our agricultural system in the sense that should we do away with crops that are A, not very competitive? Because if we just focus on wheat, out of the last four out of six years, we've had to import wheat to satisfy the demands of our local uh, local population. And, you know, similarly with the, with the crop like rice, which is so water intensive, what are one of the most water intensive crops in the world, um, not doing so much good for the country or not even satisfying enough to fulfill the local population. Should we, is, would this be a smart approach to get rid of these crops and maybe go into smart, identify the crops which can be better export commodities, which consume less water, might have greater yields, it would be disrupting the entire agricultural fabric, you know, the mindset of the country. But, uh, you know, this is just, I'm throwing it out there for you to unpack. I think from an economist's point of view, I think that's the right thing, right? Like when you want more, pro how do you measure productivity? Productivity is how much dollar value you get, right? Yeah. Uh, so from that point of view, um, definitely. Uh, it makes more sense to get away with these crops. But I think with some of these crops, the issue is that um, they do contribute to food security, but we aren't so good at the distribution and storage of these crops. Yeah. So that's that's one of the things that has reduced the water security. So a bigger question is, you have these four crops and wheat and rice, you actually have quite a bit that should be able to feed the entire country, but your storage and distribution is really poor. Yeah. So you actually do end up having to import more to meet your dietary needs. So I would, before I would say, <laughs> let's revamp it, I think there yeah. would be a need to reevaluate because whatever we grow, if we don't have storage and distribution, we'll encounter the same yeah. problem, right? So um, I'm not someone who un like has studied the supply chain issue of crops in yeah. detail. But from my understanding, uh, the wheat and rice does contribute to food yeah. security. And my understanding is that those food security challenges are not so much due to the quantity that is produced, although of course productivity increase will help, but also storage issues and distribution issues, which are highly problematic. So I would explore those a little. I do think, however, that these crops should be getting less water and the Rebita water could go into other crops. and. 
you know, farmers that really can't work with these crops um, should diversify. Um, I don't think it needs to be a huge revamp, but I think that once you start this incentivization, if you start incentivizing uh, people to use less water, then they'll start using, um, they'll start figuring out ways either how to improve technology or how to change and shift into crops that use less water, grow dates or whatever they need to. Um, so I think it would have to be subtle because I think, you know, one of the bigger issues that we all know is that the electoral base is mostly mm -hmm. the people who are the farmers. So, uh, as yes, in an ideal world, I think that's the best thing, and we probably need to get away with just these crops. And and also, you know, like the the other thing is that uh, Pakistan's food security issue is that they don't have a very diverse diet, right? No. It's heavily dependent on um yeah. on basically wheat. Um, yeah, they don't good, yeah. get. But if you get away with wheat, they're left with nothing. Huh. So it's hard to change. It's hard to change people's diet. And I say this because um, I'll just give one example and I'll be very quick. Um, there was a small community in Canada, which is a developed country. Um, and there they had mercury poisoning in their water. Um, and they were told not to eat the fish, um, but fish was a part of their diet. So they continue to eat the fish. So even knowing that there's mercury in the fish, it's very hard for people to change their diets and they continue to eat and they suffered and their next generation suffered. And this is in a developed country. So in, imagine in Pakistan, <laughs> you tell them there's no wheat, <laughs> how much widespread. If they don't get yeah. their roti, um, they will be widespread. Yeah. So I will say the roti, the wheat and rice is probably going to be here to stay. Um, and yeah, so yeah. No, absolutely, I think very, very fair points, and I and I, I very, very clearly remember that on another program of ours, we had a, a food security expert, and he pointed out that the issues are more than productivity, like more than production. It's about with warehousing, with storage, and the delivery channels, which makes it uh, difficult for the local population to get what they want at a fair price. And uh, you pointed that out as well. So. The point of me asking was that so that we can be certain that we need to we don't need to get away with these crops we need to improve how we manage our water and our irrigation system and there are some techniques that are happening in the world there's drip and sprinkler irrigation systems and there people are leveraging geospatial imaging so on and so forth i'm assuming if pakistan wants to or the incentives are set right we can replicate those techniques here as well and also scale them Yes, I mean, I think the at the at the large scale level, there has to be an incentive, and there is currently no like, you know, if I don't need to use technology and I can grow enough that I want, you know, what what's the point? So there has to be a little more. People are not going to invest in expensive technologies unless there's an actual incentive. Yeah. So incentive. I think I think that's a we don't price agricultural water properly. So mm. it's That's hard, actually a know. huge problem. Yes. Yeah. So um, I don't I don't think pricing water will solve it entirely, um, but creating some kind of incentive to save water might actually help. Perfect. Oh, that that that's amazing. And there were some excellent insights that you've shared. 
Uh, I think both respect to our issues in the urban centers as well as in the rural areas of Pakistan and uh, obviously uh, relating to agriculture and crop production. So thank you so much for your time. I think it was amazing having you here and you know learning a lot from you. And I hope that uh, people who are in charge and who have the power to make those changes uh, give it a keen air and are able to implement those changes in the short term, in the immediate term, because uh, you know this is an impending crisis and needs to be resolved as early as it can be. Thank you, Noris. And yeah, my entire gist is we have enough water. Please, we have to manage it well. We can't use excuses anymore. Absolutely. Perfect. Thank All right. On that note, all right. Thank you. Thank you, Laila.